Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome into the Mostly Seas podcast here on the WEEI Sports Radio Network. I am Jason Rotz, usually producer, sometimes part-time, slightly host of this podcast. But today, we were joined by Chris Mannix of Yahoo Sports on Dale and Keefe on the actual terrestrial radio side. We're going to play that back for you. He previews Game 7 for the Celtics and the Bucks. Also gets into some of the other stuff going on around the NBA, including what some people may think is a good series between Indiana and Cleveland. And he goes on an absolute tirade, and you're not going to want to miss it. And that comes up in just a little bit. My quick thoughts on this series. Uh, it's not been a good series. This is not good basketball watching. I thought Game, I think it was 3, or no, I'm sorry, Game 4 was a good game. Where the Celtics were out, you know, dueled at the end by the Bucks. But aside from that, these have been some really poor played games. Like games five, for instance, the Celtics started off like two for 14 or like three for 14 to start that game. They did not play well. There was a nice spark by Marcus Smart coming in. The hometown crowd really excited to see Marcus Smart. What a world we live in. When Marcus Smart is getting cheered like he's Paul Pierce in 2006. And you also have Joe Kelly for your Red Sox being the most cheered guy at the TD Garden. It's just just strange times in Boston. Strange times. But the lack of a superstar, or a star really, on this Celtics playoff team is really coming to hurt them. This series should have been over. After being up 2-0, I was being honest with myself. The bucket... Buccaneers. The Bucs did not look good, even in Game 3. They didn't look excellent. You, after those first two games, you thought, okay, you'll be able to maybe get this one in 5, even 6. And I thought it was going to happen in Game 6. But this Bucks team has the best player on it. Might even have the best two players on it, with Middleton as well as the Greek Freak. But the problem is the Celtics just lack not experience. Obviously, you have Al Horford, who has played in major playoff games. You also have Marcus Smart, who's been a part of some major playoff games. But overall, it's not talent. It's not experience. It's a combination of just a lack of a true star. Like, when the ball needs to get in that hoop, who are you going to? Is it Jalen Brown? Is it Jason Tatum, who completely disappeared in Game 5 and made a quick appearance in Game 6 at the end of that game? And that's when I thought they were going to take it over. I thought Jason Tatum started getting really hot in Game 6, and it was going to turn into a victory. But no, they got up to being down by 2 late in the game, and then the Bucks took off. That's what's scary. With having a superstar like Antetokounmpo, they are able to take off on the Celtics, and there is no answer for them. There's absolutely no answer. And so far this series, I thought the Celtics have done a good job of kind of keeping him in place. Let him score. Maybe even Middleton can score, but you just don't have any of their other players, like Bledsoe or any of the guys coming off the bench. I saw Tyler Zeller the other night was hitting jumpers in kind of a key spot there in the fourth quarter. But... I don't know. It's going to be tough. I don't like Game 7s. I'm not a fan of Game 7s in any sport. Yes, it's exciting, but this hasn't been a series where you're like, okay, everyone's winning at home, and you have this great team that's going to just go in there. It's not. When the star of your team right now is Brad Stevens, who sits his butt on the—actually, never sits. 
I don't know if I've ever seen that man sit since he's come to Boston. But he's on the sidelines, and everyone talks about him as the star. Well, it's time for a star-making performance. If there's anybody I have my eye on, it is Terry Rozier. He's had ups and downs in this series, but I think he is a guy that knows this is a moment for someone like him, as well as Marcus Smart. This could be his last game as a Celtic, and this could be the last game he plays, obviously, of this year. If they lose, he's in a contract year. This is the point where you need to make those plays. And as Shaquille O'Neal said on the TNT broadcast, when it comes to Game 7, you cannot afford 0% chance or 0% opportunity for you to not have a big game. You need to have a big game. You cannot have a poor performance because this will last over the offseason. You have nothing to come back to. And Shaq kind of uh, talked about how he, if he had a bad like last game of a season, whether it was in Game 7 or Game 6 or any time that he wasn't playing, like that sticks with you. And you, you have no time to have a bad performance. So I hope the Celtics can put this thing together. And hopefully we'll be talking again on Monday for our recap of this series and hopefully previewing the next series against the Philadelphia 76ers. But it all comes down to Game 7. Here is Chris Mannix talking about the Celtics and Bucks as they head into Game 7. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to think uh, context. I can't remember the, the last time uh, off the top of my head a, a road team closed uh, in, in a series. Uh, especially, I think the case is even stronger for home teams winning when these teams are younger. Um, there's just a, a, a much more, uh, they're just much more comfortable on their home floor. And in this series, you've got two teams that are very young, by and large, uh, inexperienced, and you know, feed off their their home crowds. And you know, if you're Boston, that's the 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 one big thing I think you have going for you this one. Chris, what have you thought of Marcus Smart and his two games back? Well, uh, I mean, he, he he gives and he takes away is is what he does. And you know, that game five performance, I thought, you know, not just what he did on the floor, but kind of the the jolt of energy he provided to that team. Uh, I don't think they win game five without him. Um, I'm not so sure that they lose game six if he's uh, if he's out there either, but he, he didn't play all that well in, in game six. And, you know, for Marcus, you know, he, he's got to play within himself. I mean, he, he's just back off a six-week week absence. He can't be out there being overly aggressive offensively. He can't be taking early in the shot clock threes. His priority has to be defend and move the basketball. I mean, I, they, they really don't need Marcus Smart to score at a high level to win games. They need him to do against Chris Middleton what he did in Game 5 and not allow Middleton to get off like he did in Game 6. Now, it may be tough to you know get a sense of the market right now, but do you think this is going to be it for Marcus Smart, whether it's Saturday or the next round? Is, is there any chance he's coming back? I, I think there's a pretty good chance because you know there, there really aren't a lot of teams out there that, that I've talked to that are looking to you know overextend themselves to pay Marcus Smart. Now, what Marcus Smart wants is you know, Gary Harris money. He wants the $72 million deal that Harris got uh, a couple of years ago. The Celtics aren't going to go there. They're looking for more of the $10, $11 million per year uh, type of deal that Norman Powell got recently or someone along those lines. Um, that being said, the Celtics are not averse to paying him, you know, in that $10 million plus uh, year range if, if that's what it comes to. So I think there's a pretty good chance on a short-term deal that, that Marcus winds, winds up back in Boston. Chris, obviously there's been some inconsistency with the, the young stars, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I'm just wondering how you felt they've handled being thrown into this position due to the injuries where they're you know so counted on at such a young age in their careers in this playoff series. Well, I mean, in, in the totality of it, they've handled it really well. I mean, they've been asked to play you know roles that they were unaccustomed to really from the start of the season. I mean, when, when Hayward went down, everything changed for the both of them. 
and, and they've thrived in those roles. Now, in, particularly in the case of Tatum, I, I thought he struggled most of the last couple of games. His numbers last night I thought were a little misleading. Um, really, six of the last eight quarters he's played in, he hasn't played you know, particularly well, and, and they need him badly offensively. If, if they're going to win this game seven, it's going to have to be somebody having an offensive outburst that either you haven't seen lately or you didn't expect overall. You go back to game seven against the Wizards, and it was Kelly Olynyk going off in that game and, and having a monster one. So somebody's going to have to do it. And, you know, Tatum is the most equipped. He's probably the most gifted you know, offensive player they have uh, out there on the floor in terms of what he can do inside and out. Uh, he, he's going to have to play much better. I mean, this, this Bucks team's not going anywhere. Giannis is going to play great. I mean, Middleton, his numbers are insane. Like, he's shooting almost 60% from the floor and 63% from three. You know, they're going to put up points in this game seven. Boston's going to have to find somebody out there that can match it. Did a uh, Rozier-Bledsoe battle seem almost, it, it was almost a lock that it was going to happen before this series was over? Yeah, I mean, given how it started, but I mean, if you're Eric Bledsoe, you kind of have to look in the mirror and be like, "What? Am, what? Am, why am I battling with Terry Rozier? I mean, this is this what my career's come to? Like, I'm, I'm a max level <laughs> player, and you know, I'm I'm battling with a guy that was like third string at the start of the season. Not not against Terry, nothing against Rozier, who is no longer a third string guy. He was going to be a starting point guard in this lead, but but you know, he's been killing them with. With with uh, Bledsoe's been killing them with how he's been behaving for for most of the series, and you know his his intensity in, in terms of trying to one up Rozier offensively has bled in some really bad defensive uh, sets out there on, on that end of the floor. So he's you know you talk about wild cards in this game seven. Bledsoe's the ultimate wild card because he does have the talent to put twenty twenty five up any given night. He hasn't done that for most of the series, but if he gets rolling, he could be someone who could be an X factor for Milwaukee. You think Brad Stevens sticks with Semi Ojale in the starting lineup for Game Seven, or could there be some other tweak up his sleeve? I, I think he sticks because Ojale has been pretty good on the defensive end of the floor. But you know, it, it's just like in a Game Seven in baseball, you've got to have a quick trigger on all these guys. You know, if somebody's if Ojale's not getting it done defensively, he's not useful out there on the floor. Like you, you can't. You can't leave him out there if, if Giannis, he's not making Giannis work or making Jabari Parker work because offensively, they just leave him out there. I mean, he, he's, he's capable of making that corner three from time to time, but you know, Milwaukee divides its whole defense around leaving him when he's on the floor. So you've got to start putting you know, offensive weapons out there because this, without Kyrie and, and, and some of the other pieces, they, they really have to work to manufacture offense and count on somebody who's a little streaky like a Rogier or a Smart or – even a Jalen Brown to a certain degree uh, to get hot. So I, I think Shemi starts. Uh, I, I, there'll be, I think, a short leash on him, though. Chris, from, from afar we talked about it. You just presume that the, the home team is going to win Game 7. But I think sort of the other NBA staple is sometimes the best player wins. And the Freak is the best player in this series. He's been playing well. He's had 30-plus points a couple different times. Is there any chance he just goes off and says, our team's not that good. We don't even play as a team, but I'm going to win this and, and take it to the Celtics on their own court. Yeah, but, I mean, like, he's tried to do that already. I mean, his first two games of the series were awesome. Like, in you know, he, he just had, what, 30-plus, I think, or close to it. And mm-hmm. I know one of the games he had 30-plus. And, you know, Boston will live with that. You know, if, if, if Giannis, you know, goes, goes crazy and, and has, like, 40, like, you know, Boston would be good with that as long as Middleton doesn't have 20 and Bledsoe doesn't have 20 and some of these other guys – don't have 20. They've kind of chalked up a certain number of points they're going to have to give up to Giannis because he's just, 
I mean, he's ridiculous out there. I mean, if, if he's making turnaround jump shots and three-pointers, Boston's going to be in for a long night. But if he's making, you know, those you know, dribble drives into the paint and if he's you know, catching alley-oops and second-chance points using his length, you, you kind of just have to tip your cap to him and say you've got to give up those opportunities. It's, it's everything else. I mean, I've, dur- during this series, I, I've never, to, to at any point in the first six games, I really haven't heard Brad Stevens say, man, we've got to do a better job on Giannis. They think they're doing a pretty good job on Giannis. He's just a great player. Where their problems are, are, are originating from are, are some of these other guys, like a Middleton, are going nuts. We're talking NBA playoffs with Chris Mannix. If the Celtics do what they should do and win at home in Game 7, do you give them much of a chance against the Sixers? No. I mean, they're probably going to get their ass kicked against Philadelphia. I mean, that's that's just kind of the... The way I mean, look, I was skeptical of Philadelphia coming into this postseason. I really was. I mean, I picked Miami to beat them in the first round because you know youth sometimes, oftentimes, you know, winds up getting served in in the postseason. I mean, go back to 2010 when you know that that Durant and Westbrook team. You know, they they played in the playoffs with Harden and they got beaten the first round by the Lakers. You take your lumps along the way, but talent just wins out, and that is a ridiculously talented uh, Sixers team that also blends veterans. I didn't take that into account either. Like, you know, Bellinelli and Ilyasov, who anybody could have had when they were bought out by the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are affecting the playoffs somehow. Those two guys are, are, are you know, not carrying that team, but they're, they're putting up big numbers. So is in J.J. Redick. Uh, some of the vets they have on that team have been really surprising, and I just think there's way too big a talent gap between Philadelphia and Boston in the, in the second round. Do you think Philadelphia ends up winning the Eastern Conference? They might. I mean, I'm in Indy right now for Game Six of this god awful Cavs Pacers series, and you know, it, it, I, I don't I, like this. This Cavs Pacers series is like a war of attrition. Like neither one of these teams are very good, and I, I, I can. I don't think Toronto's great. I mean, they've they got beat a couple of times by the Wizards. They're probably going to win that series because Otto Porter is done for the duration. But um, yeah, I, I think Philadelphia can. I mean, I, I think they're. And I hate to say that can because that can mean anything. But yeah, I would right now. I'd probably make the Sixers. Uh, a slight favorite to to win the Eastern Conference because Cleveland they, they just stink. Like LeBron's great, and this series is terrible because everybody else, including the coaches on both sides, aren't you know aren't performing at a very high level. So yeah, as crazy as it sounds, the, the Sixers, who are led by early twenty somethings, could could come out of the Eastern Conference this year. Now you can always change your mind, but on April twenty seventh, where do you think LeBron James will be next year? Oh, you know. I keep hearing these 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 Sixer stuff, but I, I the people I talk to that say it, I don't think they're connecting it with anything other than it's logical, right? Like this, oh, this Rich Paul represents LeBron, he represents Ben Simmons, so they've got to be talking about it behind the scenes. That could be true. Uh, the Sixers need a three man. That could be true, but I, I don't know. I mean, that is just that, that's some serious bandwagon jumping if you're if you're LeBron to to go do that. I mean, look at he's. He's done it before. I mean, you right. go to Miami and you team up with those guys, and uh, all right, go do that. But could he do it again? I still think the Lakers um, are the most likely landing spot, and I think that was enhanced by the way the Lakers finished the season. Now, a lot of those guys won't be there, you know, in the next the next year or two. Like Isaiah probably won't be there if LeBron is, but uh, you know, they they finished strong. Luke Walton proved himself as a coach. Ingram can play. Uh, you know, Lonzo Ball can play. They, they've got some nice young pieces there so that if it's LeBron and somebody else, he could build something out there. Since we're looking ahead and we'll leave LeBron out of it, do you think this Sixers-Celtics, assuming the Celtics get, get the job done, could we be seeing this as a rivalry that builds in the East over the next two, three, four, five years? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, both these teams are they're the heirs. I mean, they have to be considered that. I mean, I'm, I, I sit back, and if that is the series next round, it's going to be hard to watch given what it could be if Hayward was out there and Irving was out there and those two, two, team, two heavyweights going back and forth. What's going to separate the Sixers and Celtics in the years to come is who's the better general manager, Danny Ainge or Brian Colangelo? Because, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. I've written about it a lot in the last week. You know, Boston and Philadelphia – they can't keep everybody. I know it's, you'd like to sit back and say, yes, let's give Marcus you know, $12 million. Let's give Terry Rozier $12 million, and you get a car, and you get a car. That's an Oprah line. Like, you, 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 you can't pay all these guys and maintain some kind of luxury tax flexibility. That's what the Wizards tried to do, and look where they are right now. So it's going to be incumbent on Ainge and Colangelo and their staffs to come up with these deals that – you know, move two for one in, in, a, in a big trade and find a second-round pick that works. The team that, that winds up dominating of those two in this conference is going to be the one that's smarter at the top of it. Chris, enjoy that god-awful playoff game tonight. <laughs> yeah. oh, at least give me like an end-of-the-game game win or something. I, I, can't, I can't watch these two teams run isolation and play bad defense. I bang my head against the table every time in one of these cities. It was a good last shot the other night. The other night you it did have that. last shot, yeah. but the whole thing stunk up until that point. It was like 47 minutes and 57 seconds of bad basketball and mind-numbing play calling at the end of these games for LeBron. Pulls, and bad refereeing, too. Bad refereeing. The, the Everything about it was terrible, so just give me something a little bit better so I can stay sane. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.